Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. friends and welcome to the mind body musings podcast i'm your host madeline moon and today i hope that you will be delighted to hear that we have a very special treat on the podcast i'm going to be giving you a full class from my recent course the sisu society we're going to be going into the heroine's journey which is a topic i am incredibly passionate about for women this is a This is a class that should be taught in elementary school. Jeez, can you imagine a world where all little girls were raised to to hear about their heroine's journey, their unique journey into archetypes and into finding their own feminine and masculine and to exploring the caves of their heart and going into the depths and, and combining myths and mystery and deities and goddesses to discover what our own unique journey will be like. Can you imagine Well, if we can't have that in schools yet, we can have that in the CSU Society. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you've heard about this. This is my group coaching program. Um, It is all about how to be resilient in your feminine, being resiliently devoted to love above all. Because being devoted to love takes guts. It takes immense resilience. It takes CSU. And that's what Sisu means. It's a Finnish word for extraordinary determination. And it takes extraordinary determination to be devoted to love above all in modern day society, in this society where we're often sold on this quick fix idea, this two day delivery, fast food type culture, a kind of culture where it's normal to explode on someone or repress your feelings, where it's normal to talk to your girlfriends about your husband before even talking to your husband about your problems, where it's normal to say, I'm fine when you're not fine. When it's normal to fight in these really abusive ways, and it's not normal to say, hey, I feel hurt. So Sisu, the feminine Sisu, is all about cultivating a resilience and a determination to come back, back, back to this place that we've always been. That's the true gift of all of this, is that you're not learning anything new. You're actually coming back to your most pure, original, original effortless state, which is being love and being open. Being open where you don't have to do that whole tit for tat kind of thinking in your relationship, where you don't have to be consumed on what your partner has earned. Has he earned my love today? That takes work. The CSU Society is made up of 17 calls. It is a lot of of insight and information and workshops and tools. This is for the woman who wants it all. 
I have another course called the Feminine Spirit School, which is really great for anyone who wants to be led through a very structured type of approach into the feminine and masculine, really go on a journey, go on your own heroine's journey through the feminine and masculine. If you're someone who desires, like you would be happy to be dropped into a profound coaching call and then dropped out of it. This is for you because that's what this is. It is a culmination of many different things. And that's why I created it. I wanted a space where we could talk about how to give the kind of love that you never received as a child and learn how to give it, learn what it is, then learn how to give it artistically in your relationships in such a way that it also creates polarity and attraction. Yum. But I also wanted a place where we could talk about the four different phases of a woman's month and what that looks like. When is it best to be creative and when is it best to be analytical? And I wanted a place where I could teach you a practice where you can be fucked open to God using your crystal wand. And then I also wanted a place where I could invite in a men's work coach and I could show you live what it looks like to reveal to the masculine. So we go in all sorts of areas in the Sisu society and all those calls include practices and some include Q&A and many tools. This is like essentially if you were to to say, Madeline, what are your top practices that are also incredibly profound? Please teach me. I'd be like, well, this is the course for you. So today's call, today's podcast is going to be a, the, the final call we had in the group and we ended on the heroine's journey. This call is a little different because in some of the Sisu calls, I did um, group Zooms where we did live practices. And then some of them I did Facebook lives where I taught a lesson. This one is a Facebook live where I taught a lesson. So there won't be a big practice in it. I like to have the practices stay in the course and something like this where it's a lesson being taught feels more appropriate for the podcast because I want to make sure that anyone who is truly ready to go deep into those practices makes that decision to do so first. I don't really just, I don't want to just put it out there online for anyone to do unless they're truly knowing what they're getting in for. So you can check that out at maddiemoon.com forward slash sisu dash society. If you have any questions about if this course would be for you, you can send me an email, hello at maddiemoon.com. And you will be able to join instantly with one of three different types of plans. There's a pay in full, there is a three payment option, and a six payment option. And if you're coming from the podcast, use code MINDBODYMUSINGS, all caps, all one word, for 10% off. Again, that is MINDBODYMUSINGS, probably easy to remember, for 10% off at checkout. And that's all caps, one word. I hope to see a few of you in there, if not many, 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 many of you, which is really what I'm expecting because this kind of work is going to create a profound ripple effect in your relationships, your life, your business, your creativity, your relationship to your body, everything. So again, if you have any questions, send me an email. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this class called The Heroine's Journey. All right, so I had mentioned something um, in a call probably around August 
that I lightly said maybe I'd address at some point and we never addressed it. And so for today's call, I really wanted to tie in the heroine's journey. And I am not by any means a teacher of the heroine's journey. And yet, um, I believe as women, we are, we are all the living embodied uh, examples of the heroine's journey. And it's really, really fascinating to learn about the heroine's journey and realize how you've been living this unintentionally, probably your entire life. So the, um, the, the, the hero's journey created by Joseph Campbell, a psychologist, it goes through the journey of, of typically a man, like what a man will endure from the beginning of his life to the end of his life to become his own hero. And um, when he was questioned, what about women? What do women experience and go through for their own journey? He said that, I'm not gonna say this verbatim, but he said that a woman's already there. The, the hero's journey takes men to the place that women have been all along. So there's no journey that needs to be explored and experienced or written out or you know, created into a kind of story format. And Maureen Mordock, who wrote The Heroine's Journey, was not satisfied with that answer at all. She was like, okay, that's cool, but like we also do have some, some kind of process and journey. So when I first heard that from Joseph Campbell, I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like we're already there, like what a relief. And yet there was a part of me that was like, but this life has actually felt like a lot. <laughs> There's definitely a lot more going on than, than just being there all along. And um, so she wrote the book, The, the Heroine's Journey, and I've mentioned it a few times in the CSU Society as something that I highly recommend everybody reads. And I'm gonna go through a couple different moving pieces today. There's this, um, you know, the, the hero's journey is, is also used in most movies and the hero's journey is based off of a lot of external events, perhaps a prince or a king fighting actual dragons or fighting systems or fighting the man or um, fighting the, the other suitor that the woman is considering. It's a lot of external things. Yes, there's definitely an emotional component, but the hero's journey is based off of who are the dragons? What are the demons? What kind of castle does he has to go, have to go through with his sword? Whereas the heroine's journey is a lot about disembodying and disassociating and then embodying and associating, which I think we can all relate to in so many different ways. Even thinking about the most the most like present for a lot of our society, which is um, women's sexuality or women, uh, women and body image, like disassociating from our body and sex, disassociating from our body and and um, and confidence and self love. These are some; they're not quite surface level. I mean, they, they we can go a lot deeper into shadow work, into our an inner sacred slut, and into our. Um, our jealousy and into our taboos, but like one of two of the most prevalent ones that are coming to a head in our society these days is women's leadership and women's sexuality. And it's fighting a lot of these archaic, uh, very old stale systems. And we're taking a heroine's journey through that. 
And as a, as a writer, I found this really beautiful workshop format from this other writer named Cami Ting. And before she writes any story, she will go through the heroine's journey format and she will write out specifically what her heroine will go through using the heroine's journey formula. And I printed this off a while ago. I found it fascinating when I was writing my character's journey in my novel and an idea that I have, we're not gonna do this today, but an idea that I have that I think is a really, well, a thing that I know that's really potent and powerful is writing your own story, period. And then an idea I have on top of that is writing your own story as if it was a fiction, creating a little bit of distance between you and the main character because the closer you are to the main character, the more you may want to lie, the more you may not want to, either you treat yourself too harshly or you're not, you're not real enough with yourself. So this kind of format is, I think, really, really helpful for creating a masterpiece, a story out of your own real life. And it's giving your story a voice. Whether or not it's completely accurate doesn't really matter, especially if we're creating a fiction out of it. It's using your real life to create a fiction story. It's true, but it's also fictionalized. It's given even more depth because when you create a fiction out of something, you have more permission to go to places that you wouldn't normally go if let's say you were writing a memoir or an autobiography. And so I have, I have this to share with you today, but I also have a, another thing I mentioned in a previous Sisu call, which is the myth of Inanna. Now, why am I talking about all of this, especially now? Um, regardless of whether or not you're listening live or you're listening to a replay or if you're listening to this a year after it's recorded, I believe that we go through these micro heroines journeys seasonally. And then we have the macro one our entire life. We have the journey that we take through our entire life, which is like an arc. I mean, of course it's like this. It's all over the place. And there is a bit of an arc to a journey. And in, in, from birth until death, like that tiny little line, that little dash that is on a gravestone saying born in this year, dash, that year. That dash is the hero's, heroine's journey or the hero's journey. You have your entire journey that, that, that follows the, the epic saga of your life, of learning the most profound lessons from maiden, mother, to crone. Like that's the macro, the big picture of the heroine's journey. And then we have the micro one. I feel it's safe to say, I think it's safe to say that we all had our own heroine's journey in 2020. We all went through some kind of heroine's journey through 2020. And I think it's really cool to be bringing up this topic now at the beginning of 2021, because we get to look at our 2020 as an example of that heroine's journey and the micro. And I mean, honestly, we can go through a heroine's journey in a full moon cycle, where we go through things that we learn, we want, where our blocks are, and then what we need to let go of in order to to cultivate that kind of life. So um, 
yeah, I just want to check in. I just want to check in and make sure everyone feels that this is making sense. Does this feel relatable? Does this feel confusing at all? Is there any place yet that you feel stuck, concerned, lost? I also just want a sip of water. Not seeing anything yet, so I feel that we... Hmm. Sometimes it's just nice to pause. Okay. It resonates for Tanya. Good. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, so. Um, feels lovely, feeling good, great, great. So I'm gonna look down from time to time because I've got my, my notes written down. Um, that's what I'm looking at. And um, like I said, The Heroine's Journey by Maureen Murdoch is like the, it's, re it's a really wonderful book for anyone who's interested in diving in deeper. Being a storyteller and a writer, I love what I have here that I'm gonna share with you today. It's not by Maureen, it's by Kami Tang. So it's a little bit different and it's breaking down the heroine's journey in a way that you can now move forward and write about. So I want that idea to be uh, titillating your senses of this curiosity around, what if I did sit down and write for one hour? A, t a tiny little heroine's journey I've experienced over the course of 2020. Or perhaps you pick another smaller part in your life, like the transition between that job to entrepreneurship, or when you got married or when you got a divorce, or when you went into college versus left college, or uh, dealing with your mother's death, right? Before your mother died, then after your mother died. Like there's all of these different instances we can, we can take on the micro. The macro is great. If you're ready for the macro to look at your entire arc so far in your life, I love that, I support that. And that might be a little bit too much and a little too daunting for right now. So I wanna look at how we can create um, a piece of art right now without having to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wanting to be perfect. Like this is, creativity is all about going to the places that have not been explored yet. Creativity is virgin. It's uncharted territory always. It's creating something out of nothing. And I mean, looking at a blank canvas can be incredibly daunting. And that's what is so encouraging about it because it's challenging all the systems we have in place about making something good right, usable, profitable. What if we just want to create to create? I believe that's what the divine did when we were all made. It's like, there's nothing, let's make something. There was no standard. There was no like, all right, here's what a perfect earth looks like. We should create one that looks just like, there was nothing. I was like, what, the, what should an earth look like? It should look like that. What should people look like? They should look like that. It just came from nothing, which is a, a, a scientific miracle <laughs> and a spiritual miracle. Okay, so I'm gonna break this into several pieces um, and I'm gonna give you questions that, that you can think about 
for each one of these sections, each one of these acts, so to say, acts. So like any, any main story has three different acts. And we've got, um, I think, nine different, nine different sections that are gonna be put into these acts. Don't worry about the acts for now, they're not important. It's more about the sections. So section one is, um, is the illusion of the perfect world. So this is where we begin. So even thinking about the start of, of last year, or again, I wanna make sure this is very relevant to whenever you're listening to this. So pick a, pick a time before a big event ha happened, not the big event, but before the big event happened. And think about your life during that time and how it may have seemed perfect. I don't think any of us necessarily think at any point our lives are perfect. So a little bit of hindsight helps. I know that I often will think, oh, those were the good old days back then. Um, even though at the time I certainly knew it was not the good old days. But picking a time that feels like there was an air of security to it, you had flaws, but there was some element of safety and perfection and easy breezy, easy breezy beautiful. And I want you to think about about these questions and you can write these down. You can come back and watch the replay and write them down later if you just wanna be immersed in the experience of listening right now. Um, I can also, f I will, I will also find this link to this worksheet and I'll put it in, um, in Teachable so that you will have uh, this available to go back to and read the questions. But even for now, as we're sitting here together, think about that perfect world. So for those of you who are online right now, I'd love for you to share what is, what is the time that you're thinking of before a big event happened? Are you thinking about um, when you left school? When you, are you thinking about when you were in high school, when you were in college, when you first got married? Just to go ahead and give you some accountability to, to land on something, go ahead and share that with me in the, in the comments. This is a great time to think about um, everyday, like the every everyday normalcy, when things felt a little bit normal before you had a huge wake up call. Caitlin says, my freshman year of college before my relationship that broke me open. Tanya says, after graduate school. Before I moved to Colorado, yeah. Before I was bullied in grade school and felt whimsical and curious. Before my partner and I moved out to Oklahoma to start a big business when it was just two of us in our little lives. Yeah, those are great. So some questions I want you to think about even as you're sitting here and pondering your story. What was something you needed that you may have not realized at the time? You wouldn't have known this. So maybe you were living a life of um, financial security and what you perhaps needed was to, to have a little risk, to have something to lose. You didn't know that. Perhaps you were living in a marriage that felt a little bit lifeless, but it was comfortable. 
and you were okay with it. And what you needed that you didn't notice, you didn't know this, was a little confrontation, um, a sexual wake-up call, a, you know, I have my airplane mode on and I keep getting messages, so weird. Um, maybe there was some traditional femininity, the kind that the world recognizes as the feminine and what you needed was more mess and dirt in your face. Or maybe you were living uh, a slightly like egotistical, narcissistic bubble mindset where, where everything should be perfect and it's like princess syndrome and everything's good and what you needed was some hardship. Um, Christina says, I'm thinking about when I still lived at home with my parents and believed the same things as them. It's a great example. So the next question I wanna, I wanna pop into your space is, what archetype do you think you were? And you don't have to use a traditional archetype from Jungian philosophy, but an archetype of being the good girl, an archetype of being the bad girl, an archetype of being the traditionally feminine, prim, perfect, proper Southern girl, the the, the slut archetype, the uh, black widow archetype that just like hates everybody and want, or hates men, wants revenge, um, the Lilith archetype where she's really powerful, the devotional wife archetype who may need a little bit more chutzpah and more direction on her own the um, anal perfectionistic ballerina archetype. What archetype would you give that specific time in your life, the before? All right, so number two is the the separation from the feminine. And this is also a bit of a, a wake up call. So something happens that may actually like <clears throat> jarringly separate you from the, the voice of your womb, right? It isn't, it's not necessarily bad. It's not something that is um, going to make you angry and closed hearted. You can still be open hearted through this process, though if you were closed hearted through it, that's totally fine as well. I just wanna make sure you understand that it's not a necessarily bad wake up call. It's just something that could, that changed your path. It's something that there was a before you and then there's an after you. And the, the other way to think about it is it is the call to adventure. It's the call to go somewhere, to tra traverse some territory, some new terrain, take the quest. It could be a breakup, right? So a breakup's a great example that a breakup happens and then you're basically being invited to change your physical world, but also your emotional world and your, um, your, your mental world. Another thing that this could be and could feel like is betrayal. So you could feel that something happened to betray. So if I'm thinking about 2020, um, like a big incident would be like the, the virus, obviously. So that, that could even be, that could even feel like a betrayal. Like, ah, 
I just released this book and I was about to go on book tours or I just got this acting gig and I was about to be in a movie or I just got a boyfriend and now I can't be with him comfortably and live with him. I just Like the coronavirus is a great example. I'm getting up in my head and I'm talking fast because I feel so passionate about it. The coronavirus is a great example of how a lot of people were being called to action and to adventure. It wasn't necessarily stopping it. It was more of jarringly waking you up to the things that may matter that didn't matter before. You were having a call to come forward, to meet a new part of yourself through the grief. That is why breakups are also a great example because when you go through a breakup, you are being called forward. It's not something that you're being shoved down you're actually being brought up because that's where you meet, you're being broken open, you're being able to, you can meet God because you're, the distance between your tenderness and your truth has narrowed. It's, it's smaller, it's so close, it's so intimate. You tenderly feel your truth. So there's less of a path that has to be traveled in order to meet God through a breakup. Some questions you can ask yourself. Um, well, one, of course, what is what is the incident? What's the, the thing that happened for you? Um, and how did you lose what you cared about? What did you lose that you, you thought you needed to have? Peyton says, okay, now I'm thinking of dating my partner who was my boss at the time and is 15 years older than me, called to adventure. Totally, yeah. Um, Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Think about how you responded to this event. How did you respond to it? And do this objectively without any right or wrong. That was good. That was bad. That's shameful. None of that. It's not helpful when we're creating a story. We don't want to judge your story. We want to go deeper and deeper. So when the coronavirus shut down the country. There was a lot of panic. There was confusion. There was fear. I remember for myself, I was fearing a lot of my parents. So it was bringing up a lot more than just, oh no, what's the state of our country? It was like, oh my God, I can't control if my dad gets it and my dad isn't the healthiest, healthiest person in the world. And like, what if I lose my dad? And then like facing the fear of losing people I cared about and that made me, my behaviors around that became, um, I, I probably shortened my breath a little bit. I got a little tighter because of the fear. Um, I, being inside of a home made my world feel smaller. So in some ways I perhaps became a little bit more quiet, more introverted, and I behaved with, what other behaviors were there? A bit of anxiety and definitely around around uh, the end of March, moody. <laughs> Got really moody and um, really like, ah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not, not gonna partake in this any longer. You know, a little bit like bratty until I f fully surrendered into it. I had to go through the brat stage of like, ah, you can't tell me what to do. If I want to go in the world, I want to go in the world. Until we realized the severity of it and how real it is and got through all the bullshit and realized, oh, okay, this is what's happening. This is happening. And we all need to participate in 
doing what we need to do. But we had to go through that journey in order to get to that place. So think about some of the perhaps less than less than acceptance behaviors you had around that inc incident. What were the like kind of shadowy things? What were the hard things? What were the juicy bits where you acted like a brat or you did get anxiety or uh, you did have panic attacks? How did you behave in, in those ways? Because these are a part of the things you're gonna have to overcome on the heroine's journey. Okay, so number three. Number three is the, um, the point of no return and the preparation of the journey. And the one that I want to focus on is the identification with the masculine. So when I look at, look at my life, my 29 years of living, the, the macro heroine's journey that's so obvious to me is being raised with a, being raised in a very re religiously dogmatic family and truly abandoning the feminine by becoming a bodybuilder, having eating disorders, um, having only guy friends. Like I truly was like separation from the feminine and then identification with the masculine. I'm gonna be a bodybuilder. I'm gonna spend Valentine's day in the gym cause I don't need no love and chocolates. Um, I'm going to drink, drink protein powders and BCAs and get massive muscles and my Phone's background is gonna be bodybuilding competitors. I'm gonna surround my life with everything that is muscular and, and even rigid and, and boop, 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 so much rigidity. So even though I had this like look of like a, a super tan bodybuilder with abs and all this, like that is exactly how my mind was working as well is that we have to have rigidity, there has to be structure, and there has to be limitations and we cannot have too much pleasure. So on the macro way, that's really interesting to think about of in your life as a whole, when did you separate from the feminine and how did you identify as the masculine? By living with the story that I don't have many girlfriends, girls just are kind of petty, or I'm not like most girls, or I don't need to have a period, it's better if I lose my period because I work out so hard and I don't have time to bleed. Like what are some of the stories you created? Um, and then when you're looking at your, ma your micro example, what, what were the ways that you identified with the masculine in this, in this incident? So let's say, um, let's say, you know, keeping on the thread um, of the of 2020, definitely, definitely there was, there was a, a big, especially in the entrepreneur world, there was a big energy of hunker down, save your money, scarcity, you know, pull, pull the stocks, go ahead and make all, all this money you can make from programs. And even how can we commercialize or how can we make money from this global pandemic? Like how can, can I sell a course that's all about, uh, you know, like I saw so many ads online from coaches that were like, this is the perfect time to hone your coaching skills so that when we're out of this, you too are already a coach. Buy my program, buy my course. So many courses were actually, um, I hate using the word predatorial, but like there was an element, there was some shadowy elements around that very tender space. And what I see people were going through was their own identification with the masculine of, 
of, you know, one part is smart. Like, yes, we do want to make sure that we are financially taken care of during a global crisis. It is smart to look out after your bank account. Don't get me wrong. And there's an energy that was very much alive of scarcity and fear and 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 there's not going to be enough room for everybody and me, 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 and how do I make as much money and profit as it can and the stories people were selling in the online coaching space around this is your time to hone all your crafts and make a lot of money like i even remember seeing something that was like ladies you don't have to not be making money during this time i just made my biggest month yet i just made fifty thousand dollars from one program are you ready to make that too drop your email below and I think that that is an identification with the masculine. I'm not trying to make any judgments about right or wrong, even though some of that did bother me, if I'm being quite honest. Um, but that, that's that's part of the awakening. You know, that's part of the, I need to, to get my shit together and I need to go forward. That's one of them. So I just listed an example that was a little bit more... Um, you can probably feel I feel a little eh about that. There's other ways that we identify with the masculine that may not be holding that kind of charge. So um, there could be just action in general, like hustle, action, goals. So whatever example you have in your mind, think about how you began to prepare for your your adventure in the goal space? Did you sell your home as you prepared to move in with your beloved? Did you sell all your belongings as you prepared to move to a new city? Did you create a new bank account for this business you were going to, to cultivate? Did you, um, you know, logistically go through your mother's will and sell her belongings that she she didn't want to keep and like and then straighten up and then try to get back into life. How did you externally try to immerse yourself in life during uh, that process? All right. <clears throat> There's also sometimes I didn't really cover this, but there is a refuse a refusal of the call at times where you you know you're like yeah, I don't want to do that. Like maybe I'll build that business, but I don't want to do it. Um, so you might refuse the call. So you can look at how did you initially say no? Like my coronavirus example was that at first I was like, I don't want to like, sh I don't want to shut down. I, I love people. And that was a refusal of the call to, to be present for what was happening. And then after that, I was like, oh, okay, now we are doing this. And this is very serious. Um, what are the masculine traits that you adopted during this time? Um, You can also look at who was a mentor during this time. Did anyone come in to support you? Did anyone come in to give you more clarity or um, more masculine structure? So let's see, comments. Uh, Christina says, thinking back to March of 2020, I felt the scarcity and offered my services to anyone I could during that time and broke my own boundaries around my work and creativity. Yeah, that's that's an example as well. And that that... That's part of the process. I relate to that too. I went through my whole experience as well of like, ah, there's no time for creativity. We're going into global crisis. Like everything needs to be purposeful. And that is a part of identifying with the masculine. And that was also a call to adventure in a way. We were being called to go deeper into that one avenue of creating 
and creating content to sell. And we needed to go deep into that to fully realize and surrender to, oh, okay, wait, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Um, but we couldn't learn that until we went into that deeply. Okay, so number four is the descent. So this is the journey through the underworld. Um, this is the descent. We're journeying into the underworld. This is actually the main arc where you're going to experience the most trials. So we've, we've had the perfect world. We've had an incident. We've been called to action. And now we're going on the quest. Now we're going on the journey. So um, another, another very, very beautiful story I wanted to tell that I had mentioned before is the story of Anana. So Anana is a Sumerian myth. This is a Sumerian um, mythology, a, a very beautiful story of the queen of heaven. And she has a sister named Arishkagal, who is the queen of the underworld. And Arishkagal was going through a lot of grief down there in the underworld. She had lost uh, a baby and I believe she lost her partner. And uh, Anana up in heaven wanted to go visit her sister, though they weren't on good terms at all. They were not on good terms. And it was kind of like dangerous to go down in the underworld to visit her sister in her most tender time, especially when they were not on good terms. So Anana told some of her buddies and her mentors like, hey, I'm going down to see my sister. If you don't see me, please. Uh, come back after me. If you don't, if I go missing, just like after this many days, come back and find me. And so Inanna, the queen of heaven, adorns her, her body with jewels and things that she thinks will really protect her going into the underworld. She's got a crown. She's got probably a cape on. She's got her ring. She's got this. She's like fully adorned. She's like, I am ready. I am the queen of heaven. I'm going down. I'm going to make some moves. I'm going to um, take some names. I'm going to dominate that underworld as I go see my sister. So she goes down there and within each of the seven layers of the underworld, she is challenged and demanded to remove a piece of her garments. So she got to take off her crown, goes one down, take off this, go one down, take off this, go one down. Before we know it, she's completely naked. She's got nothing. All the tools that she thought would help her in the underworld were all for naught. She's nothing, she's bare. She's probably very cold. And so she, she meets Arishkagal at the very, very bottom layer. And Arishkagal is angry. She doesn't want to see her. She's recovering from trauma and grief from her child and her partner. And now she's seeing her sister who, who probably has some motivate, some like um, ulterior motives. And she doesn't want any part of that. So what does she do? She does anything any natural sister would do and hangs her on a meat hook. So. She hangs her sister, Anana, on a meat hook to rot. And then she goes and she continues her grieving. And so that, thankfully, she had told her mentor and friend to please come after her. And they noticed that she wasn't back. So they went down to go find Anana and found her on the meat hook, wanted to help her. And what did they do? right? What, what would you imagine they would do? They, they didn't fight Arish Kagal. They didn't shame her. They actually empathized with her. Their strategy of helping Anana was to empathize and give more love to Arish Kagal. And so they told her, basically, we see you. We see your pain. We hold your pain tenderly. We understand. It's like life is hard. Living is hard. And 
loving us hard. And Arishkagal was so grateful that she received some empathy and some love that she released her sister. And so her sister went back up the seven layers of the underworld, gaining new tools. It wasn't the crown she needed, it was something else. It wasn't the rings and the garments she needed, it was other tools. So this story is the perfect example of how we go into the underworld in our lives after breakups, after a death, after a global pandemic, after a loss, after bankruptcy, after uh, repression and hardship and pain in, in any flavor, in any way that we have, we go into we go into these experiences with tools that we think will help us and we come out with completely different tools after we get naked and we're, we're raw and we're stripped bare and we have nothing. So um, it's a very, like this, this I'm sure again, looking at the macro and the micro scale, this has happened in our life macroly. Like there's probably at the end of your life, you will notice there was, there was one main, main venture you went through. There was one main incident. There's one thing that changed everything for you. Before, when you were a maiden, you were innocent and doughy-eyed and excited and playful and naive. And then, boom, something happened maybe uh, in your 30s or maybe it happened early in your 20s or your 40s where you have a loss or a death or a breakup and you're stripped bare. And all the things that you thought served you as a, as a maiden or maybe even as the beginning portion of being a mother Maybe that's uh, looking beautiful, having the right body, having a good bank account, being smart and intelligent, reading all of the books, behaving in ways that are pleasing to other people, being politically correct all the time, being um, a people pleaser in general. Maybe all those things served you, but then when you went into motherhood and you got married and... Um, I'm making all this up as I go. And your parents didn't like your husband that you married and, <clears throat> and they disown you and then they shame you and they threaten you and they get the entire family to send verbal abuse and harassment towards you and then you're stripped bare and you're like, but I just wanna love, I just wanna love my husband, I just wanna love my child. What is wrong with me as a human being to get so much hate from my family simply because I married a man they didn't want me to marry? stripped bare like I thought I needed the approval of people I thought I needed my family to love me I thought I needed their support forever and then you are reborn through that experience realizing oh I create my own family oh this life is tender and full of grief and, and hardship but it's also quite beautiful and it's also leading me to deeper truths and it's also making me know myself more I imagine that we all have this on a macro scale, but like I said, there's also these micro moments. So I'm assuming all of us in 2020 had a journey of Inanna. At some point, we went into went way down. I know I did almost every time I did an ayahuasca journey, I just whoosh, went way down and then came back up over and over and over. And then I also did that in the relationship I went through for the six months we were together, right? It was like, I was living in New York, the pandemic hit. I met this man. He wanted me to live with him up in upstate New York. 
I put all my things in storage. I went up with him. We went really deep into a six month relationship with a lot of beauty and life lessons and love, but also on the other side of that, a lot of pressure. We were in a, we were in a, a pressure cooker to, to make our relationship work really quickly because he was Canadian and there was a visa thing and marriage and like it was too much for, for what I wanted my relationship to feel like. I wanted it to feel open and, and um, expansive and that wasn't leading to that for us at that time we were together. And so that immensity of love followed by the emotional whiplash of our love of having that pulled from us took me as well into a deep end of what is love? What do I want? Blah, 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 all those questions. It's not the, the deepest Anana journey I've taken in my life, but it, it was one. And I can think of many more. <laughs> Body image, eating disorders, moving, leaving comfort of, of home and security and religion and all. Every time we're leaving something that the world told us we needed to have to feel safe, we are being stripped bare at that bottom layer of the underworld and we rise again every time we have the courage to get up off our knees, stand back up and stand for what we believe in. Hmm. So I, oh, okay, wait, before I go to the next thing, um, there are a couple different things I want you to think about when you ponder what it, what it is that you faced in that trek into the underworld. Fear. So what fear were you facing or what fear were you avoiding? What fear did you feel cultivate and bubble up? Um, and, and what, for each of these I'm going to list, I also want you to think about the question, what weapon did you give up? So what weapon did you give up as you faced fear? So maybe it's the weapon of A facade. So I'm, I'm just thinking of like social media. We have all these facades. We have all these highlight highlight reels. And maybe you're, if you fear so much not looking perfect, the weapon you have to give up is that facade of, of looking perfect. Like yeah, that's going to be stripped from you if you're really going through. If you're really going through it, going through the ringer of questioning who you are, you can't. Like your body physically won't let you keep posting perfection. It doesn't you can't. You're really going through it. You're gonna to have to say, I have to relinquish how people see me right now. I don't have time to make my hair look perfect and to get up even out of my bed because I'm going through grief. I don't have time to, to write perfected posts with all the right gr grammar. I just don't have it in me. So you have to give up those pleasing all the followers and um, pleasing people who aren't actually in your life even, you know, giving, maybe, maybe you have a fear of not helping everyone. If you were raised Catholic and you're, you were raised that you were supposed to constantly be bending over backwards and it's beautiful to be, be a martyr and you really shouldn't be paid for your hard work or like maybe at some point when you're exhausted and you have adrenal fatigue and you're broke, you have to give up the fear of being a bad girl and you finally have to start charging people for your work and stop doing free labor and start setting boundaries. All right, so I'm gonna go through these next ones a little bit more, a um, little more fast. So the issue of facing guilt. So we've got guilt, we have fear, guilt, I'm just gonna read them all. Fear, guilt, shame, 
grief, lies, illusion, and attachment. So looking at the issues of facing guilt, what do you feel guilty about? Shame, what do you feel shame about? Relationships, shame about breaking up. Divorce, shame about divorce. Shame about sexuality. Shame about being petty, narcissistic, rude. Everyone here in this space and in this group is very tender and very self-aware. So when we notice that we're not being our best selves, I think that that can be another tricky place that we feel shame because we should be beyond that. We should be above that. We should be better than that. But we are, we are also human. We are also inner childs. We all have a very sensitive inner child. So sometimes when our inner child has the microphone, we say things we don't truly mean. We have to be kind with ourselves even when we go cold. We don't shame ourselves back into warmth. We love ourselves back into warmth. Uh, grief. What are you grieving during that underworld? Who are you grieving? Is it yourself? You're grieving the maiden you once were as you go into mother? Is it your family unit? I grieved my family unit a lot this year. My main Anana journey was, was, is, is from mother to maiden. This past year is when I became my own mother. And that theme showed up over and over and over. And I lost my mother. She's still alive, but she's not at all in my life. And she's lost the title of mother in my life. And so that stripped me. You know, I, I was stripped from the woman who I relied on in so many different ways. And that I had to grieve that. I grieved to death, definitely. So what were you grieving during that time? And what lies were you facing? Maybe lies you were telling yourself or lies from the world. Then there's illusions. What illusions did you buy into? The illusion that, you know, everyone's watching you waiting for you to, to fail or the illusion that if you're not constantly posting on social media, everyone's going to forget about you and you won't be relevant. Or the illusion that everyone's making fun of you for experiencing life messily. You know, the illusion that if you are comfortable in your sexuality, then you're disrespected by, or disrespected, you're no longer loved by God. And then attachment. What attachments do you, did you have to evaluate? Your attachment to money, right? If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to go through, one of those layers has to be your attachment to money and security. You got to face that very real truth that you love security and you have to face the idea, the very real embodiment of not having that steady paycheck and realizing that, oh, I can breathe in this situation too. I can be here too. I can be present for this. It's uncomfortable, but I can be present for it. Okay. So number five, that was number four. Number five is the illusion the uh, illusion of success. So there's a typical moment where you get some success and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Like we're here, like this, this, is, uh, this is working that, that you just did the trek of Anana and you're back up and then you, you're like, oh, I'm breathing again. Oh, I'm back in heaven. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, flirting with a guy on Tinder again, even though I just went through a really hard breakup, I, I'm feeling something again, or, oh, my parents are talking to me again, or 
I just made my first check, my first coaching client. Like what's that? It's not that it, it can't be success, but it's not the full expression of your success. It's a taste tester. It is just dipping your fork into the buffet and then walking back to your booth. It's not quite going in and getting the full meal. In a story, when we're looking at this in the form of storytelling, this would be some breathing space for your heroine. Um, I love that, the way that she, she explains that. It's like the moment of like, okay, let's like give her, let's like throw her a bone. Not everything has to be bad all the time. You can make a little money. You can write a really great chapter. You can have an epic orgasm. We're, I'm not here to promote a life of martyrdom, but also life is full of, of, of exquisite uh, expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. And we're not going into the contraction for the sake of contraction. We're actually going into the hardship and the grief and the contraction in the name of God and divinity. That's my perspective. And so when we have this illusory, illusory? illusion boon of success it's not that we're taking more pride in the hardship time but it's more that this is a time where things just feel smooth so maybe in 2020 we had a little bit of that after i don't know i live in la and we don't really i don't feel like we really had that and we didn't have much of that at all throughout the year with 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 george floyd with riots with the voting with the fires with um I mean, everything, obviously, the, the pandemic. But there, at some point, there probably was a day where we were like, ah, it's okay. I don't mind living in my home all the time. I'm not going to turn on the news today. I'm reading a good book. I just got a client or I just got a bonus. Like, there's probably some day where it's just, ah, okay, this feels good. But then, number six, death. All is lost. The black moment. So this is the heroine's darkest point. So this is when that, ah, a big success, it gets taken, fully taken. So yeah, we just did the dive. We just, we just came back up. But this is like an aha moment of bathroom floor breakdown, a deep divine opening. And uh, it's, it's coming to a head. Like this is the, this is the moment that all of that stuff before was training for. This is the moment where you are face to face with like the ultimate fork in the road. And it's tempting to go the easy route. It's tempting to give up. It's tempting to say, I don't wanna do this relationship anymore. Or it's tempting to say, I don't wanna be an entrepreneur anymore. Or um, I'll keep letting narcissistic abuse into my life because this, well, this person just really loves me. It's that moment where it just seems easier to take the path of least resistance and just to give up and and to go inside of your own cave. And please understand that there is never any black or white and there's no right or wrong. And there's many instances in my life where I do let go of a relationship because that is what where the most love is. Or I did let go of that entrepreneurial project because that is where the most love is. So it's not necessarily that if you take the path of least resistance, you give up. But in the, in the heroine's journey, we're looking at the, the, the instance that the path of least resistance would be giving up. In this particular example, 
that giving up on being a confident, strong woman, like that kind of thing. Um, giving up on fighting for women's equality. Giving up on teaching about controversial topics on Instagram because you just keep getting so many trolls, but you're really passionate about it and deep down you really wanna keep going. Giving up on spirituality or um, no, I think we got some good enough examples. So this is like, this is the very, very, I mean, this is, at this point you wanna question who am I? Who was I when everything was taken and I was in my darkest moment? When, when, when everything was taken, I got that success and then boom, that big shocker came. When I thought enough was enough, and then this, who did you become in that moment? Outside of the full range of emotions, yes, you might have been angry, you might have been sad, you might have been a, you know, I've been, I've been writing a, a book right now and in one of the chapters I'm, I'm talking about how I was a sacred groveler. I became a sacred groveler for love. I was betrayed, I was dismissed, and I was with a narcissist, but yet I was groveling for him still. And yeah, I was a sacred groveler during that moment, but like when I still didn't get what I wanted, I still didn't get him, who did I become in that moment? Typically, in these moments for me, this is when I meet God the most. This is divine communion and, and intimacy because it's when I realize that I'm nothing. I fully surrender to being nothing. My ego structures fall away. Everything that I thought I needed, everything I thought I wanted, all the ways that I identify as being Madeline Moon, my image, my appearance, the things I say, how I say it, the people I spend time with, all of it just becomes nada. It's irrelevant. I realize that I'm just a vessel. I'm just here. I'm living and breathing. Thank God I'm embodied. I'm animated, but I'm nothing. And it's sweet, sweet surrender. And it's a relief. I don't have to keep up with Madeline Moon. I don't have to keep up with this I am a tool, I am a vessel. And that's typically what comes at that darkest moment, right after it really. It's not really in the darkest moment, but right after it, it's that deep surrender. It's like the tension of life has just shot off and what you're left with is that sweet space of nothingness. And in that, in nothingness is often magical bliss. Magical bliss. Number seven, now this is in act three, is when you, you let's imagine sticking with this nothingness example, you've surrendered. You just had the biggest blow of your life, you surrendered and now your spiritual team, your physical team rallies. You feel the presence of your great grandma who died, who, who always comes in at the, the moments you need her most. You feel Mary Magdalene, you feel Jesus, you feel Buddha, you feel, um, Green Tara, Inanna, and you come back into the feminine. So in my own journey of become, moving from maiden to mother last year, I didn't have an actual child, obviously, but it is interesting that I wrote a book and I wrote another book and I wrote another book and you know they, they went into files in my computer. But the, the point is it's been a major, um, conception period as well as a birthing period and growing a baby in my belly and it will come a metaphorical one it will come whenever it's ready but I, I 
even through my separation from the feminine, from my actual mother, I reconnected with the mother. And my, my great, not my great, my, my grandmother, Mildred, came to me a lot last year, over and over. I kept feeling the presence of Mildred in my space. And I got back into creativity and writing in a way that I had neglected. And more women are in my life. I moved to LA to be with more women. I didn't move here for almost any other reason than to cultivate divine female friendships that are gonna last because I wanted to create my, my family, my chosen family. So after that big egoic structure shed, you are then supported by spiritual energies as well as physical energies. And you're finding yourself immersing back in cooking warm, delicious foods, making a sacred space in a home that feels motherly and nurturing and you find yourself tending to plants in a garden and maybe you listen to music late at night on your sheepskin rug as you move your body and you begin to find beauty in your grief again and you begin to find love in the places you did not expect to find love and you begin to create intimacy with both your own sensuality and sexuality and the world. So this is where you're coming, you're starting to come back full circle. Like you started in what seemed like a perfect world, but you needed to go through this full complete journey to come to a place where you have respect for nature and you have sovereignty in your own magic and divinity and you're becoming more one with the rhythm of the, um, with the earth, the rhythm of the natural feminine. Um, Caitlin asks, what would, what would you name number seven? Um, support from others, reconnect with the feminine, the ultimate boon. So the ultimate success. This is like the real success. You had the fake one, a little like titillating taste, you got taken away and now you get the real one and you realize what's actually important. That's when you realize this is what's important. At the end of 2020, I imagine most of us came to some conclusion of what's really important. I moved into this home and I spent two months intentionally picking out every single piece and item I wanted to be inside here to make it feel like a sanctuary and a temple. The last wall that I need to work on is that one, which is kind of the most important for these calls, but it's like, it's really important wall. I need to make sure I have intention with that one. Um, yeah, it's when we, we, we realize what we truly value. We feel that success deep in our bodies and it doesn't look like the little titillating thing like that one check we got or um, that one Tinder date. It's something much more truthful and deep. It's, it's inner knowing. It's feeling safe within your own vessel. Number eight is uh, healing with the mother, a rebirth and healing with the wounded masculine. So no longer are the days of, of hustling and gritting your teeth to get by. It becomes more, this is now we're in the space of the masculine that I teach, which is like David Data's masculine of consciousness, stillness, ease, with and in rhythm with that feminine. So number eight is really about now we go back into the world. We've gone through our journey and we're continuing the journey. You've, you've learned, you've got your seven new tools. You've changed in how you relate to fear and guilt and shame and illusions and attachments. And you've been stripped bare of everything you thought you needed and you no longer need those things or have those things. You're empowered and you're wise and you're sovereign. You're not perfect, but you're, you know, you're, you're a new level of you and you move forward. And the final one 
is number nine, and this is full circle. Return to the perfect world, master of two worlds, freedom to live, final reward, integration. So through writing something down, this is really a, a, a final integration of, it's probably wherever you are right now, if we're looking at something, or if you're looking at something from far ago, think about, think about what that moment where you realize you solidified into the new version of you. The, the, that, that versions, that present version of you. So questions you can think about is, in, the, in nine, in the full circle, how did you integrate feminine masculine traits as a healthy whole? I really like that question. At like th even going back to number one, where were your feminine and masculine then? And then in number nine, where are your feminine and masculine then? I think a lot of, you know, the feminine and in, in the before consists a lot of time of like the, the wounded feminine, if we look at that, it's, it's, it's patriarchal, it's codependent, it's manipulative. It's maybe based more on looks and using looks to get what you want, using emotions to get what you want. Wounded masculine is power hungry, Lord Farquaad energy, like tiny little man in a big castle. I want that, I want that, I want that. It's very possessive, it's dominating. Wounded feminine is embodied, it's in rhythm, it's with respect. It is still emotional, but it's it's like fully, it's blasting your emotions into the world. It's, it's fully emotional. It's not passively emotional, manipulatively emotional. It's honest. It's I'm angry. I'm I'm upset. I feel. I feel. And it's really taking ownership of your own expression. Not you made me feel this way. It's I feel this way. And I'm going to be honest about how I feel. And also creative. Incredibly creative. She's creating from the, the rhythm of her own womb and her own voice and her own desires. And it's scary. You know, I've realized this year as I've taken a break from content creation all the time with my business and moved into the land of poetry and prose and writing love notes to God and writing my books, stuff y'all will never see because I didn't publish that stuff, but you know, working on something that will be published very soon, I have a feeling like that's been taking a lot of bravery to move away from only making things that create money to making things that just create happiness. And then the, the masculine is, is stillness and consciousness, and it's also very wise, but it's also very knowledgeable. And it's able to be present in moments of discomfort. When you have a lot of energy coming at you, the masculine is the one that can be with it. It's the part of you that can be with your chaos. If you cannot be with your own chaos and that wild tsunami happening within your own heart, if you're not a thick forest for that energy that's when we start to go into the wounded feminine and you project you try to find someone else to be your forest you try to find someone else to listen to you instead of you holding down the fort for yourself christina says i thought i was the only one who still thought about lord farquad um my father calls anytime my father sees a truck that's high raised off of the ground and, and it's been like pumped up big wheels lots of like big space between the wheels and the truck. He calls it a Lord Farquaad truck. He always does the voice too. It's like, Lord Farquaad. There's Lord Farquaad in that truck. My dad is really funny. 
But also, we want to send loving kindness and compassion to the people who have a Lord Farquaad truck because they are dealing with their own things, or maybe they just really love high-up trucks. We don't really know. We can only guess. So that, my loves, is the heroine's journey. Hmm. That is the heroine's journey. That is your journey. And it should be respected as such. One thing I wanted to mention too is that I love, I read it somewhere in Richard Rudd's book that your path is, is wild and virgin. And that line has deeply affected me to think that our paths are wild and virgin. And we cannot expect anything less than uncharted terrain on our journey. So my loves, I encourage you to stop looking outward to the world to show us exactly what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to do it, right and wrong, good and bad. Your path is virgin. You're making it up as you go. And your heroine's journey will change as time moves on. What you're dealing with now will change with what you're dealing as a maiden. It's different as a mother. It's different as a crone. And every morning, I want to encourage you to wake up with, with, with childlike wonder. Not, oh, I know what to expect today. It's the same old stuff. And I live in the same old world. Instead, it's what is this day going to bring me? And how do I move through it? Because it's not going to be how anybody else moves through it. And any kind of shame structures about right and wrong, it's all based off of society. And society is changing rapidly. So if we want to be a part of that change, we are responsible. Like, let this affect you. Really feel into this. We are responsible for being the ones brave enough to not live by that good and bad, right and wrong, black and white kind of structure. It's, it's so uncomfortable, but we have to be the ones to say, mm-mm, mm-mm, nah, virgin, wild, holy, abstract, gray. Like, this is the, this is the territory and the way we're moving in our world. And starting with ourselves, we just need more compassion for our unique journeys that we're taking. Mm. Angelica says, this call was hella emotional for me as well as insightful. I'm so glad. Uh, Caitlin, this was the most perfect call. It resonated deeply in my bones. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Oh, thank you everyone for joining. And my final note here is if you feel inspired, spend an hour writing your story out. You know, maybe you start with bullet points and you just separate one to nine and you write down bullet points of each section. And then maybe if you feel inspired, you create a little tale and you write a little story and it's yours and it's precious and it's beautiful. And you get to look at it and go, I wrote that and that's about me and it's beautiful. And you can begin to look at your life as the story that it is, because it is, we're all living our own unique fictions. Fictions are virgin, they're holy, they're wild, they're, they've never been done before. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. I hope you enjoyed this free class on the heroine's journey. You can get the book, The Heroine's Journey, 
on the show notes for this episode. If you're looking at the description of this episode on your Apple podcast app, you can just see right there the link and you can click that to buy. It's an amazing book. If you'd like to join the Sisu Society, the course, it is now up and available for you. 17 calls, an amazing Facebook group, an epic resource list, tons of tools. You can sign on up and get 10% off for being a listener of the podcast by going to maddiemooncom forward slash sisu dash society and you'll get 10% off by entering the code mindbodymusings at checkout for any of the three payment options. There's a painful, there is a, a three-parter and a six-parter. So there's tons of options. And I really hope to see you in there. If you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, have an amazing rest of your week and go live out your heroine's journey. And go tell all the women you know about the heroine's journey because this is some epic, epic info. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.